The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Welcome to the program, and we have some breaking news, which is why we ask you to be sure and subscribe and turn your notifications on, whether or not you're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. You want to be sure and get the latest as we broadcast live at 10 a.m. each and every weekday, but you can catch it whenever is convenient for you. But I encourage you to be a part of the program at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. So coming up, we'll discuss the Austin P game. Of course, we'll name our torchbearers, give a report card of the game, which obviously was lackluster to say the least. Spencer Riley, Tennessee former offensive lineman, will join us. We look forward to that each and every Monday. We'll discuss, was it drop passes or bad passes and how good are the balls up front on both sides of the ball? Because the passing game was an issue in the first half, especially. But otherwise, if you break it down piece by piece, Tennessee played pretty well. We'll have SEC power rankings. Uh, also, college football week two takeaways. Yes, we will discuss Alabama. Before we get to the breaking news, Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, happy Monday. Just want to take a second to commemorate all the lives lost on September 11th, 22 years ago. Um, I was a big deal when I was 13 living in Memphis, but living in the D.C. area for a while, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was up here for a long time. Amen. That is that is very well said. Um, and certainly one of those days that um, I'll never forget. And God bless those that are still dealing with with the absence of their loved ones uh, because of those heinous acts. So that's, that's very well said, Caleb. I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, been a busy morning and quite frankly, I meant to mention that earlier, but let's go ahead and uh, get to some football uh, as again, they are all in my thoughts and prayers. Uh, when, when we talk about football, let's start with today's tough question, but first let me set it up a little bit. So, I was told this morning uh, by a source very close to the program that Tennessee held a players-only meeting on Sunday that was organized by the leaders of uh, Tennessee's uh, football team. And we're going to discuss whether or not there were drop passes by Tennessee's intended receivers or bad throws. I've talked to former players, and I've gotten uh, both sides of that. So we'll discuss that. But the tenor of the meeting was this, in which Joe Milton, regardless of whose fault it actually was, took uh, complete blame and said, it's on me in a very positive leadership role. And Tennessee's players all agreed amongst themselves that they needed to amp it up starting today, that the practices last week weren't bad. I don't want to imply that, 
by the tenor of the meeting. However, they weren't quite as intense as they should have been. Perhaps that was the an opponent. Perhaps it was just a bad week. I don't know. But I think what I come away with most of all, uh, Caleb, is that Tyler Bray, and we could, excuse Tyler Bray, that uh, Joe Milton, Tyler Bray popped up on my timeline, that Joe Milton uh, took the blame for all of this, which I think is whether or not it's his fault or drop passes. I believe that that was the right thing to do as a leader. And we'll see if Tennessee comes away from this uh, players only meeting as a positive or not. So what are your early thoughts as this is news just breaking on off the hook literally minutes ago. What are your initial thoughts on the players only meeting held by Tennessee's leaders and Joe Milton taking the blame for going one of eight in particular. He ended up with a pretty good stat line, but one of eight uh, in early in the game. I think it's actually a good sign. Now, players-only meetings are not always a good sign. You know, if you're if you're on a three-game losing streak and your coach is on the hot seat and you call a players-only meeting, you can rest assured that coach will be fired at the end of the year almost every single time. But I do think this one, it's a players-only meeting to, hey, let's make sure a slide doesn't begin and a snowball doesn't start. I'll tell you what time a players-only meeting worked out, and I know this happened, was after Tennessee lost a fifth straight game to Florida in 1997 – and I, I wish we could have – we could maybe ask Spencer Riley about this, but I believe Peyton Manning called a players-only meeting after that Florida loss. And at the very least, I know gave a speech before the Ole Miss game the next week and said, you know, hey, guys, yeah, we lost again, but cherish every chance you get to play college football. The NFL's there, but, you know, you only get to do this once every four years – or every four – for four years. And the way he took a leadership after that loss to Florida – I think kept the team focused because they easily could have laid it down and said, Oh my gosh, here we go again. We're not going to win the East. We just lost to Florida. And they didn't. And, you know, they played the butts off at Ole Miss, Georgia, Alabama, Jamal Lewis emerged. We know what happened in 97. So I think it, I think a players only meeting can be done right. I do think this is a good sign that they did hold the players only meeting because again, it's not like they're 0 and 2 or 1 and 1 or 4 and 5 or 3 and 6. They're 2 and 0. They just had a really, really, really hideous win. And they need to maybe refocus their confidence a little bit. No, um, I think it all depends on leadership. I think that this team's leadership is is going to be tested. Every team's leadership is going to be tested at some point during the season. I'm going to give you an example of a bad players-only meeting. And it seemed like Tennessee's basketball team under Jerry Green had a players-only meeting about every other week. (laughs) And it never got anywhere. But I, I would say that the the leadership for this particular team was is, is, is still in question. Last year, it was really, really good. Do I think that it's going to be good? Yes, I do think that it's going to be good this year, and this will be a positive thing if you ask me that question. So I believe that uh, this will be a positive for Tennessee. I think it is natural for – I. I I'm, I'm going to sound like an excuse maker for, for Tennessee. I, I'm going to tell you right now that I think the, the weather delay hurt Tennessee. I'm going to tell you that I think maybe they overlooked Austin P a little bit. And I think you've got Florida coming up. 
And I think this team at the end of the day knew that they could absolutely beat Austin P with a D effort, which is about what they got. So I thought across the board, if you really look at it, at it outside of those dropped or inaccurate passes, whatever you want to call them, that Tennessee played really well defensively. Tennessee ran the ball well. So it was an ugly win, but at the end of the day, it was a win. Uh, absolutely. And, and Tennessee showed once again that they can survive a cold streak. They did that for a second um, against Virginia when I thought Joe Milton went a little awry. But no matter what you believe, and we'll get into whether or not they're drop passes or inaccurate passes, I do believe that this will end up being a good thing for the balls. And I think it's good that you go ahead and nip it in the bud right now, not to steal my own lead from offthugsports.com. Yeah, I agree. I actually, looking back on it, let's break down everything that happened. There was the weather delay. Yes, the, outside of the miscues in the game, which were inexcusable, but there was the le- weather delay. There was the fact that Scotty Walden at Austin P, as I mentioned on Saturday, literally threw the kitchen sink at Tennessee. I mean, the guy burned all three of his timeouts in the third quarter just to make sure Tennessee couldn't get their tempo to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was committed to throwing Tennessee off its game. And kudos to him. It worked. And but you're not going to see you're not going to see Florida burn all three timeouts in the third quarter because they might think they're still in the game and they're going to want those timeouts in the fourth quarter. And so that was a big deal. Also, look, we have to talk about officiating a little bit because I thought there were a lot of bad calls that went against Tennessee and a lot of missed calls, um, particularly the holding penalties on the screens. Those weren't missed calls. Those were actually good calls. It, it, but I haven't. But there was a blatant pass interference on Jamari on Jabari Small that should have been called that stalled one drive. I mean, clear as day in the end zone. There was that really dirty unsportsmanlike play against Warren Burrell on the punt return, and there were just a, and then there were there were at least two ticky tack pi calls on Kamal Haddon in the game. That one, I think he was at fault. He didn't turn his head, but two others he did turn around, and they still called the pi. And so I, I just got to be honest, there was. There was questionable officiating that worked much more against Tennessee than Austin P in the game. Now, again, Tennessee should have, in spite of all of that, won the game 62 to nothing. But if I if I mentioned those things, I mean, we're talking instead of 30 to 13, it's probably what? Um, 51 to 6. And we're, we're thinking about this game a little bit differently. True. Uh, today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. We're going to address this players only meeting right now. And andymasonrealestate.com needs to be your home for real estate needs in Knoxville. Over 40 years of experience in his office, andymasonrealestate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. I'm not even going to give you an option of maybe, Caleb. I'm going to say very good or very bad that Tennessee had a players-only meeting. No middle ground here. Very good. They're not pretending to be satisfied with what happened on Saturday. How often do you hear coaches or players say, it's a, a win is a win, and it's college football, and any team can beat anybody. And I think by calling the players only meeting, Tennessee's like, no, that's not it. This was unacceptable, and there's no way you should be happy about this. 
No, I, I agree. I think it's a good thing. And I, listen, I, I'm the guy who rolled my eyes on those Jerry Green teams that had players only meetings. Well, they always had players only meetings after losses. So to say that 30 to 13, which still is a significant margin of victory, is not good enough, I think is a positive sign. Now, if we're talking about another players only meeting here in three weeks, Caleb, there's a problem. But I don't foresee that being the case as I try to forecast forward. Yeah, I don't think so either. This isn't like, and and player and everybody on the message board will love this reference, but remember 2016 Tennessee that started the year in the top 10 and they kept playing with fire and winning ugly against the worst teams. They needed overtime to beat Appalachian State. They looked bad against Ohio. That battle at Bristol game against Virginia Tech, they fell behind 14 to nothing. And it did come back to finally bite them when they had a three-game losing streak in the middle of the season. And then that's when Butch Jones' whole tenure unraveled. It doesn't feel like that with this one. It feels like it was one bad outing. They still won 30 to 13 and they're not happy with it. And I think not being happy with it is something you should be happy about if you're following Tennessee. Yeah. I think the team meeting had this been a Butch Jones coach team would be, Hey, a uh, good job guys overcame some really bad coaching against Austin P. How about that? <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get to the uh, report card and our torch bearers of the week as that is online right now and you can check it out on off the if you would like to read that so uh let's start with uh the quarterback uh who you have at a d minus i thought joe milton was inaccurate and is one of eight however i uh, spoke to spencer riley and fred white over the weekend that sunday show with fred brought to you by our friends at Harold group security solutions and he thought they were drop passes. So I think you and I thought they were more on the quarterback because he throws hard and it they weren't perfect passes. We would all agree with that. But he put it, Fred and Spencer said they saw saw a lot of drop passes. And Fred in particular said that you, if it hits your hands, you got to make the play. That is the old saying. And I get that, which probably brought me a little bit closer to center. But if I ask you, is it, 80% the receiver's fault or 80% Joe Milton's fault on the one for eight, what would you say? I'll go more the receiver. If I have to do 80 or 80, it's 80% the receivers. And the reason I go more receivers is I don't think Joe Milton, we all know what he can't do. And accuracy is just not his strong suit. The way you overcome that is you have these five-star receivers all over the field that are supposed to be elite that can catch the ball as long as it's within their vicinity. But they didn't do that on Saturday. I mean, I, that, none of the passes were exactly on target, but again, unless unless you're having Peyton Manning throw you the ball or an NFL quarterback, which between me and you, I don't think Joe Milton is an NFL quarterback. If you're a five-star receiver, if you're an NFL receiver, you got to make those catches. I, I'm going to come back to the middle. Um, I, 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 I've thought that um, the passes were off, but listen, I know that Fred White's played a lot more football than I have, which is um, not saying a lot, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go with his, his call on that, that Sunday show with Fred. I, I think that Joe Milton has to take a little heat off of it and throw the ball with his fingers. I think that's troubling. We talked to David Cutcliffe about that at SEC Media Days, and he has to put a little bit more touch, even on the balls that he likes to heat in there. Because that's um, to me, they were they were tough catches that they were dropped. You had the running backs at a C plus. That's a little harsh, but and you had the wide receivers at an F. I can't argue with that. 
uh, tight end. Was the reason, same- wait, the reason I had running backs at C plus guys is they should have run for what they ran for. And Jabari Small did drop an easy screen pass that would have been a sixty yard touchdown. That's fair. No, he did, and that would have been a really nice call, uh, or was a really nice call. Tight end gets a C. Offensive line gets a C minus. You had the defensive line at a D plus and the linebackers at a B plus. I thought as a whole the front seven played good. So I would say you. You're a little harsh on those guys, in my opinion. Can you talk about the grades? Well, so the defensive line, again, that's one of those where they should have gotten the advantage. They were playing Austin P. I mean, where the, when the, whenever a game like this happens, the biggest advantage is in the trenches. And they so, let let me, Austin- so let me let me clarify one thing. So all of yours are graded somewhat on a curve because it's Austin P. In other words, if this is Alabama and the same thing happens, the grades are different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, we'll talk and, about Alabama. <laughs> Go ahead. Austin P controlled the clock in the fourth quarter. There's no way the defensive line should have let that happen. And honestly, in many ways, they started it. It happened from the start. I mean, don't forget that fourth down play on the first drive. The defensive line let Mike DiLiola run for almost a touchdown because he got through the hole. I mean, that shouldn't happen in a game like this. So there were too many times they let Austin P stay on the field. I know that. Look, if, if for everybody who covers Tennessee, we know time and possession. Josh Heibel cares nothing for time and possession. But the defense does need to get off the field, though. And they didn't do that that much against Austin P in this game. So you had the secondary to C minus, kicking game A minus, return game on a C minus. Let's look at the torchbearers for the balls. We give out awards for those that played at their absolute best against Austin P. And yes, there were some. Caleb's going to have to eat some crow at number one. But let's start with Jackson Ross at number five. Um, you had uh, him as a torchbearer, uh, Tennessee's punter, and two punts inside the 20-yard line that went over 45 yards. One was fumbled. That was big. Uh, Jalen Wright, you mentioned as a torchbearer. I really just love the way he runs. I think he wears on you, and I think he is also scary enough with the way he can bounce things. Wesley Walker uh, made a couple of plays as well. And a guy that you've been critical of, and I have too, Kamal Haddon. Uh, what did you think of uh, Kamal Haddon's play on Saturday against Austin P? So I went back and watched uh, some of the game, some of the highlights yesterday and some of the key moments of the game. And I, there were a couple of penalties that I blamed Kamal Haddon for, but I went back and looked and he shouldn't have been called for those. There was only one pass interference that he should have been called for. And for some reason, when we talked on Saturday, I thought he was the one who had the busted coverage on the touchdown pass. And that turned out to be Danico Slaughter, who had that busted coverage. So after that, when you factor in the interception and the three pass breakups, I don't know if Kamal Haddon can do this against the number one receivers in the SEC. I still really question him against elite SEC receivers. But he did his job on Saturday against Austin Peay's receivers. And then number one, Aaron Beasley, who's playing without the guy who was supposed to be his linebacker mate all season – that's Keenan Pilly, who's going to be an out for an extended period of time. Beasley certainly showed up. A historic performance. Uh, man, he he played really well. Five tackles for a loss, two sacks, nine tackles. Uh, there was one tackle for a loss in which he broke up a screen that I thought could have popped. Um, and it looks like he and uh, Elijah Herring will be the starters going forward. Beasley suddenly looks like uh, a star. That's that's Caleb writing that. That's not me. And uh, Caleb, I, I take it you're a little surprised by by Beasley and his play, given that you've been critical of him until now. 
you guys have got me too. I mean, I'm not throwing you under the bus. You know that, right? Yes, I'm I know, but you, I'm so owned right now, guys. I mean, Aaron uh-huh. Beasley has proven me wrong because of what he did in a meaningless bowl game and against Austin P. Man, I, I just, you know what? Let's just throw the flowers out now. All American, guys. All American. Yes, he had, I mean, it, he had a historic performance. You're so gracious. <laughs> you're so gracious. Uh, we, that is just incredible that you're willing to take that stance. I, I thought he played really well. And we have Jimmy Himes on each and every Wednesday. And Jimmy said that he thought that uh, Beasley would have a career year, a breakout year this upcoming season because he was allowed to play more weak side linebacker. Well, we wondered when Peely got hurt if that would still be the case. But it is uh, still the case, at least as far as the Austin P game goes. We'll see when Tennessee plays Florida on Saturday. And hey, listen, one thing you got to like about Beasley is he just seems much more active than he has in the past. I don't know if that's uh, further understanding the system or what all that is. But he just seems to be playing free. If you watch him like three or four plays in a row, and I did so on Saturday and then rewatched the game, he just he just seems more intent on the direction that he's going, and there's no second guessing whatsoever. Um, and I was I was really impressed by that, whether he's playing Mike or Week or whatever position he's playing. So I think Tennessee, um, I mean, obviously without Peely, they they played really well at um, at the linebacker position. And for the most part, the front seven, although you didn't like the, the defensive line considering the context, which I understand. And and let's be fair. Let's let's not underrate this part, which is we thought they were going to move Beasley over to middle linebacker and start Arian Carter. They kept Beasley at weak side and put in Elijah Herring at middle linebacker, who has more of the body. What that tells me is something you've talked about with the Hypo program, Dave, which is player development. Herring's been in the system for the year for a year. And he, again, it was Austin B, but he looked ab- he looked more than able to step into that middle linebacker role and play his job. Pretty and well. I did, I would have bet you money that wasn't the case a year from now. To speak to the player development aspect, oh, yeah, of it. yeah. I mean, I don't think that Herring would have been able to take over at middle linebacker in the middle of a season and be as effective as he was. And I think that they would have had to shift stuff around. And I, I will, I will credit Tennessee's coaching staff for not panicking and shifting Beasley back to the middle. We thought it would be Arian Carter at outside and that's what they would do, but they didn't. They kind of stuck to their guns and made sure that Beasley was a playmaker on the weak side. So kudos to them. Hit the like and subscribe button. Turn your notifications on if you haven't to this point. In two minutes, we will visit with Spencer Riley and get his thoughts on Tennessee's defensive and offensive front, as well as were those drop passes or bad passes. Two minutes. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. 
Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, here we go. Tennessee does beat Austin P, but it was not gorgeous. Uh, but the balls get the win. It is Florida week, so that's pretty awesome. And it's Monday which means we get to visit with Spencer Riley. VFL Center joins us now. And Spencer, how are you, sir? First, congrats on the big win. I see the shirt. Can I get a shirt like that? Oh, and you know what, man? Maybe we can find you something to wear. <laughs> congrats on the big win on Friday. Uh, talk about <laughs> your program, Jeff County, and what they were able to do before we break down the balls a little bit. Sure, man. Uh, we were uh, we didn't get kicked off till nine forty on Friday night because of lightning delay and stuff like that. So uh, we played uh, Kingsport Dobbins Bennett here at home and uh, got a big re region win Friday night. Uh, played Science Hill the week before. Played DB this week. So th this last week and first time in school history we beat them in the same year, uh, much less back to back. So uh, great. Great for our kids. Our kids have done a great job, and you know, I mean, it's been a been a fun, fun uh, last two weeks, football game wise, uh, especially when you, you you're used to playing in those high intensity, high high meaning football games early in the year, and, and they're just exciting to be a part of. Good for you, man. I'm I'm happy for you. Rooting from you for afar, from afar, and I want a shirt for sure. So we'll, we'll take we'll take care of that, my man. All right, Spencer, I'll trade you one. Um, Spencer, that works. Let me let me ask you this. Um, so I'm texting you over the weekend and uh, about coming on, and you you had said that you noticed a lot of drop passes. And just sure. in that text, um, I, I I I took a lot from that because I talked to Fred White on that Sunday show with Fred, and Fred said they were drop passes. I thought they were inaccurate passes, but you guys play way more football than me. Why? Why did you guys both choose drop passes as opposed to maybe a little bit of both? Well, I'll, and I'll say this. When a ball touches a wide receiver's hand, that's what you get paid to do as a wide receiver catches football. So, you know, not every ball is going to be perfect, right? Um, you know, Peyton Manning threw the worst deep ball in college football history, you know what I mean? But he's one of the best football players to ever play. 
let's just call it how it is. I mean, his ball was never a spiral. It was just a kind of a wobbly ball every once in a while. You just you go back and look at it, and you'll see as, as a college football player, he didn't throw a very good deep ball. Um, I think Mr. Milton, shoot, buddy, he's a freaking player. He's a gunslinger. He can freaking sling it. And it sounds different when it leaves his hands, right? Uh, and it does take some receivers some time to get used to that. But at the end of the day, your job is to catch the football. And if it touches your hands, it should be caught. Where I was standing in the first quarter, there was about three drop balls right in front of me from the field. Hit them dead square in the hands about chest tights or the ball, ball right in their face. You know what I mean? That's just not acceptable for wide receiver play. And I'm sure the wide receiver coach is, is letting them know about that. And, you know what I mean? And rightfully so. Uh, you know, but I will say this, you know, you're going to hear me say, hey, I don't, I believe there are drops, but I will tell you this, I believe they blocked the piss out of freaking uh, the DBs for uh, Austin P. I mean, they do a great job blocking, hands down. People going to complain about the holding calls. Well, when you're blocking people from 10 yards down the field and they're getting just freaking abused by wide receivers, I mean, come on now. At some point in time, they're going to be complaining about the being held. And some, some officials will take that. Take that. You know, I, I, I kind of was watching some interviews, and Coach Hopple said he didn't. Somebody asked that question about the holding calls, and uh, he didn't reply. He didn't answer because he didn't want to – he didn't, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he replies about officials, he's going to get fined. Well, I'll just sit here and tell you, they weren't very good. You know what I mean? Don't 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 call holding right there uh, because, I mean, hey, you can call holding on any play. We teach holding as offensive line coaches. If you're not holding, you're not doing your job. Uh, and that's when you block, and that's what every, every position is called. Yeah, good stuff. Now – we broke this morning on offthehooksports.com. There was a players-only meeting. Let me give you a thumbnail of that. And that basically Joe Milton said, I'll take all the blame. Um, and last week at practice perhaps wasn't as intense as it needed to be. Just what is what is your take on a players-only meeting and, and kind of what I just shared with you? I mean, I think Joe Milton is a great leader. But I think more importantly, he's a great teammate. You know what I mean? That's why he's going to be successful. I mean, come on, guys. In 1998, we weren't very good in the first three football games. We won close football games. We didn't, and we we didn't beat opponents like we should have beat them. And, but I'll tell you one thing: that this team and we did in 98, they got great defense. Let's just be honest with you. Defense will take you a long ways. And I sit here and tell you from experience right now with our football club, we're not great on offense. We run the football really well. We don't throw it necessarily as great as I want to. Uh, we have drops, and but our one thing is defense will keep you keep you in the football game, and you end up winning the ball game comfortably, right? You didn't win it the way you're supposed to, but you won it comfortably. And you know you would like to get some more kids in in playing in, in ball games like that and get some more game experience and stuff like that. I understand that 100. percent But at the end of the day, it's a win. Ugly, pretty. 101, 100 to 1, it don't matter. It's a win. And, you know, I mean, Tennessee fans, let's just call it how it is. I've been a part of this, and I think we have the greatest fan base in the world, but sometimes I think we have some unrealistic expectations of what we expect out of 18 to 22-year-old kids. Um, let's just call it how it is. And this is coming from a former player and a football coach, dealing with it on a daily basis, what the expectations are for college athletes and high school athletes. Spencer, uh, talking about whether or not, you know, the whole court, whether it's a quarterback or receivers, you, you mentioned the 98 team and you guys, you're right. It, I remember 
I was I remember when y'all really turned it on. It seemed like the second half of the Georgia game was when you guys really found your rhythm and just never looked back after that. Leading up to that, I remember T. Martin struggling a lot, but was that more a T. Martin thing, or were we missing like were there he and receivers just weren't on the same page, and there were just some things that we didn't really catch that we as, as viewers. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, he, he didn't. He never started a football game or played much in any football game until 1998. You know what I mean? Uh, it's called experience. At the end of the day, experience is the best. Is the best thing for success is when you have experience of seeing those live bullets a day in and day out on the field in front of 102,000 people. I mean, guys. I mean, it was it was a great atmosphere for, uh, on Saturday, and it was loud. But I mean. Come on now, the experience of Joe Milton is the more he plays, the better he's going to get. You know what I mean? And I, I believe that. Um, I'm a fan. He's not done anything to tell me he's not the guy. Yep. And Fred pointed out in that Sunday show with Fred, zero turnovers in two games. So while you may have an inaccurate pass, and we could debate that, as long as you're not turning the ball over, you're not putting your, your, your team in a tough predicament. No, I, I know that. I know we had one turnover. It's a fumble by a wide receiver, I do believe, trying to gain extra yards. Right. Hey, I don't fault trying to get extra yards. You know what I mean? But you, you preach ball security, ball security, ball security. And, and they're and they're doing a good job with that, man. Joe Milton's not turned the football over. And that's all you can ask for out of your quarterback position is don't turn it over. Don't put the ball in harm's way. It's us or nobody. And that's the way we look at it uh, as coaches. You know what I mean? And, you know what I mean? I, I don't. I have a hard time blaming Joe Milton for some of those balls that are not called, for sure. Very fair. And, yeah, I was talking about Milton hadn't had a, a turnover to this point, um, which I think is pretty darn impressive, kind of carrying yeah. the tradition that Hendon Hooker did last year, which is phenomenal, the, the amount of touchdown passes this offense can produce without interceptions. Let's switch to the trenches, which you know well. Tennessee played its second game without Cooper Mays. He, they're hoping that he can make it back for the Florida game. I've been told that's very questionable. But uh, if if they have to go without Coop, what do you think of Ollie Lane to this point? I think he's been solid. Yeah, I know he gave up a sack Saturday, but hey, man, you play enough snaps in the SEC, you're gonna play. You're gonna give up a sack, right? Play enough football, you're gonna give up a sack. It's just gonna happen. Uh, you know what I mean? Because because you're on an island. Sometimes you're going to be on an island, and you're going you're going you like to win every one of those, and that's your goal, and that's our goal as offensive linemen is to win all the one on ones. And but at times, you know, that just doesn't happen. Uh, and you know, he's he's played. I don't know how many snaps he's truly played at Tennessee. You know what I mean? But I know I get, I think the last I don't know how many starts he's had either. But he's played enough to know. And but this I think it's his first time really playing center. I do believe. Dave and so me, hey, you're 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 fighting a three hundred pound man with one hand between your leg. You know what I mean? Uh, well, before you get the snap off, you get your other hand on him. You're you're playing. You're 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 not in a very good position at that point in time. So you're trying to battle to get back in that in that great position that you can be in uh, to start the street fight. Spencer, who else? On and and it's you know you take all some people with a grain of salt, but. And we we've talked a lot at length about Ollie Lane's play. Uh, was there anybody else that kind of shockingly stood out to you on Saturday on the line in the trenches? Man, and you know I say this all the time with my guys. I say if you go unseen and unheard, you've probably played a pretty good football game. You know what I mean? And the offensive line play, 
You know, the only time you get your name calls when you get a holding call. <laughs> you give up a sack. Let's call it how it is. If you don't hear their name, they've played pretty good. Um, you know what I mean? I thought we ran the football really well as a group. You know what I mean? As as offense uh, Friday or Saturday, sorry, Saturday. Um, you know what I mean? I don't know what Austin P was thinking when they're playing to play four guys in a box versus a six man six man box we had, and we just decided we we're going to run the football at them, and you know what I mean? And they they just couldn't stop it at at times. You know what I mean? At one point, I think we run it at seventeen rushes for one hundred and thirty plus yards. I think something like that. Uh, sometime right about the third fourth quarter, right in the middle of the third quarter. Um, you know what I mean? So I think we try to do some things in this ball game to get us prepared for down the road. Uh, I think we threw the ball a little bit more, maybe, maybe not. It just seemed like that a little bit. Um, because when Tennessee's at their best, they're, they're, when, when this football team is at their best, they are running the football well. And Absolutely. then the passing game. And the passing game just happens to come about, right? Um, and, and I still don't know if we truly took a shot down the field. Um Throughout the ball game, a truly deep, deep ball shot. Uh, I know we threw a bunch of receiver screen, uh, hit screens and stuff like that, and we got called for some holdings and some PIs on that, which I take with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, go play the next play, go get it back. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. Um, that's a that's an effort play to me. You know what I mean? Holding, you're busting your butt, and you get called for holding. It is what it is. You can't have the stupid penalties, the unnecessary penalties, the personal fouls things of that nature, which we are not having at this point in time in the year. You know what I mean? Uh, late hits, things of that nature to keep you on the field as a defense or back you up as an offense Offense there. But in the trenches, I think we're just we're just, we're just a solid group. They're, they're, they work hard. I don't see any big superstars at this particular time. Now, look, man, I don't, I don't pay attention to draft stock. I don't pay attention to all that stuff. I don't care who the five-star guy is. As a group, as five guys playing as one, I think they're doing a really good job at this point in time of the year. Wow. Spencer, uh, bringing knowledge, Spencer Riley, former Tennessee center, his uh, brought to you uh, in part by our friends at Apex Apparel Group, design, brand, market, your way, unique products to promote your business with unparalleled customer service. Go to apexapparelgroup.com, apexapparelgroup.com. You'll be glad that you did. And Spencer, I'm curious what you think of this defensive front because last year I thought they manufactured pressure with a lot of twists and stunts and blitzes, and they're still doing that. But through player development and some astute recruiting, they're better now, which is pretty talented. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty talented. Pretty talented. Sometimes it comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's guys. You know what I mean? We got some, we got some pretty good Jimmy's right now. You know what I mean? Uh, that are pretty talented, pretty athletic. Um, you know what I mean? I think I seen a stat that we had 12 tackles for loss Saturday at one point in time during a ball game. Come on now. In your front seven, that's pretty talented. You know what I mean? Anytime you get somebody behind the sticks, you know what I mean, and, and, and do those and make them be behind the chains and, and, and make them – trying to press a little bit more than what they want. And, you know, our, our defensive, our defensive line, they're just pretty talented, man. I mean, I watched one of them play the play the, the defensive end Pierce kid. I think it's a Pierce, right? I think it's his name in 27. He freaking takes the left tackle and he dumps him right in the quarterback's lap for a sack. The tackle, the offensive tackle, left tackle is the one who gets credit for the sack because he's in his legs. I thought that was one of the most impressive things I've seen in a long time from a defensive lineman. At Tennessee, uh, man, they're just playing hard and playing fast. 
and they show up in a bad mood when they get there. I want to jump in here real quick because, uh, Caleb, I know you're about to ask something, but you mentioned Pierce. Um, Fred White, you know, doesn't, doesn't speak in hyperbole. And he said that his ceiling is Leonard Little. That 100%. Wow. I would agree with that statement. Wow. He's a thin, long, athletic kid. That's who he reminds me of. Wow. That's so strong that both of you guys didn't even hesitate. Sorry, Caleb. Go ahead. I just had to get that in there. Wow. No, that's fine. It's it's if two people say that, that played with Leonard Little, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Spencer, what do you think of – do you think sometimes there's an, there's an issue with – this team. And I, I want to give Hypo credit because he stays very patient. He'll sit, you know, if, if they're, if they're going to sell out to get rid of those deep balls and he'll do this bubble screens and run the ball the whole game, if he has to. And yeah. do you think the players sometimes, do you see them get a little bit too antsy though, where they're trying to maybe, I don't know when, when things spiral just a little bit against Austin P they didn't keep their composure a little bit. I mean, when you're going so fast, I mean, you think the first three and out probably took 20 seconds. Of game time. That's true. You know what I mean? I mean, come on now. <laughs> You're like, you know, we went on the field 20 seconds. We're already on the sideline. Come on now, guys. we got to be better than that. And I can see how that gets frustrating, you know, as, as an offense. You know, especially with the big guys. You know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? I can see that, especially when you had so many drops there. Um, I mean, you had a drop on, on the first on the first, uh, the first first drive, uh, probably to extend the drive. But, you know what I mean, I, I'm like – and I can understand what you're asking and all that good stuff. I apologize. I'm sitting here in the office and the automatic lights just went out. Um, it's all right. It's <laughs> so I'll get up and have to get up and move around here. So, um, <clears throat> so, but, you know what I mean, I, I get it. And I, I get what your question was there, Caleb. I mean, it, it's – but I, I it's at the, at the end of the day, you got to just play. You know what I mean? And and the game will eventually come to you because your defense is keeping you in the ball game. Let's just be honest. Our defense is going to keep us in the ball game through the whole through the whole year. And I'm, I'm just telling you that right now. Great group of guys. I think you're right. And it's interesting to watch this team evolve from last year that was again, they ran the football just like you said. And it's a misnomer to say that's just a throwing football team. But it even feels like more of a running football team this year and a team that has a very vertical defense. So, yeah. I mean, th- this is a different team last year. People need to understand that, right, Spencer? Because they think yeah. that it's just one year to one year is the same group, and it's not. Yeah, it's not. I mean, this this group have, have spent some time around the offensive staff and and know and, and been around Coach Gardner long enough and and just watch the and watch them practice. I mean, they're very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. I mean. When your corner's blowing up the screen before it's almost – he's almost picked off the wide receiver screen before it's even there. I mean, come on now. We're going – at some point in time, we're going to get beat on the hitching out. Okay, but we're playing aggressive. It is what it is, right? We're going we're gonna to take our chances, and we're going to play behind the stick. Number five, uh, the corner, you know what I mean? He gets the P.I. call, right, right off the bat in the ballgame in the first quarter. He comes back and makes three negative-yard tackles on a screen play and then breaks up a deep ball. Come on, man. That's what he gets paid to do. I mean, that, that's what they do. At corners, you're out there on the island. You're going to be, you're going to get exposed sometimes, and sometimes you're going to make some plays. I think he's a freaking pretty good player, man. Just watching. I think our secondary is so much more improved athletically uh, than we have been in years past. And uh, but again, 
defensive line is where you uh, create your pressure and makes your a great pass rush is a great coverage guy. Helps out your coverage for sure. Great stuff. Spencer, you are the man. You've got the Hamblin tour the next couple of weeks. Morristown, yeah. Hamblin, East and West. We're yeah. rooting for you, my man. And I can't tell you how much this means for you to join us on Mondays. Thank you. Man, no problem. I enjoy it. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I just learned so much from Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. You're welcome, man. You may not like what I got to say sometimes, but I'll tell you the truth. I know. I, I That was great stuff. Thank you, man. Have a great day. Hey, man. Y'all have a great day. Talk to you later. Go balls. So that's two people that were on the 1998 championship team that say they were dropped. So for me to sit here and say they were inaccurate passes, and I know Travis is thinking, yeah, that's right, Dave. I mean, I, I, it's fair for me to uh, rethink that. Um, so I think the ball is coming in hard. I think it's tough to catch when it's not on target. But I, I'll alter my thinking. I can be adjustable when two guys that know more about football than I do both agree that it was more about drops than it was inaccurate passes. Yeah, that, that I mean, I'm one of those, and I think Dave, you and I are both similar in this. We we have our takes, and we stand strong on our takes and our picks and things like that. But in terms of the actual subtle nuances in the game, we'll defer to football players in that moment. Like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll defer. We I think we both know when to defer to former players and when not to, <laughs> you know. And yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of deferring to Arian Foster, in other words, I think is what you're saying. Yes. And then, well, that, and then He's there's got also the odd takes. He does. He does. But then there's also moments where, like, I'm not going to defer to any player when I make a prediction. Like, I'm, I'm sorry if I see Alabama or anybody play a certain way. I'm not going to defer to former players on why I think this is going to happen. I might defer to you to get information on why did this happen or this happen, but I'm not going to defer to them on who I'm picking. I thought that was uh, absolutely great stuff. And, uh, man, Spencer will join us each and every Monday. On Tuesday, it'll be John Adams. Wednesday, it'll be Jimmy Himes. Thursday, Josh Ward. And, of course, Friday. It's a football Friday with Fred. And you guys like Fred. Man, ton of views for him. Uh, Spencer's appearance brought to you in part by our friends at Zen Sports. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. Hooked. I'm encouraging you, please go to the site, sign up with the promo code HOOKED. If you are using another app, don't use this one. Use the promo code HOOKED because you can earn off of your betting with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. And um, by the way, gambling problem call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over and in Tennessee to bet. So coming up, we're going to have SEC power rankings, talk some Crimson Tide. And before we do that, though, Tennessee opens as a touchdown plus favorite against Florida. We're just hearing. So what do you make of that number early? I was shocked. It's eight and a half points. I thought that's that seems like the line that it would have been before last week. Vegas didn't really react at all to what 
happened with Tennessee and Austin P on Saturday, which I think should be somewhat encouraging for Tennessee fans. Look, guys, these sports books, they have details that we can't even imagine. I mean, they do legwork that is insane. And so for them to set that eight and a half point line, I, I got to say uh, that that should encourage Tennessee fans. I think we also forgot, you know, Florida didn't look. Yes, they played McNeese State. They looked better against their FCS foe than Tennessee did against theirs, but they didn't look that great. They're still the Utah game. And then you talk matchups, Dave. We'll talk about this as the week goes on, but Florida's got a statue at quarterback. And if there's one thing Tennessee's got, it's a pass rush. <laughs> and so, Okay, so here's the other thing, too. Remember this. Of those seven incomplete passes, the one of eight, if three are caught, be it bad throw, drop, whatever, and I'm leaning towards drop at this point, Caleb. I'm I'm standing corrected. I'm correcting myself because former players believe that so strongly. But if if we're talking about catching three of those, you're four of eight, and your offense is probably cruising along, and you're not having any problems, and Tennessee pulls away. I'm not an excuse maker, but I do think the weather did not help, and the fact that it was a 30-minute delay, not making excuses, but I don't think it helped. So uh, kudos to – Yeah. Oops, sorry. I'm making excuses, but I think it was a factor. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. And, again, if those if, – if you're right. If three of those plays are converted on, we're probably – and nothing else changes throughout the game, we're coming back talking about, oh, Tennessee played their C game and it was Austin P. so we understand why. We're not having the big concerns that we're talking about right now if three of those plays are converted on. And – I think what Vegas is seeing is because we've now seen it, Dave, with Virginia and Austin P. With grain of salt, it's Austin P. But we did see it with Virginia, at least through the first half. When Tennessee's offense sputters, the defense holds firm. They hold firm, and more importantly than that, the matchup with Florida. I, look, say Joe Milton has a really rough first half against Florida. Uh, Gators still ain't scoring. I don't. I, I don't think they. I think the only way they score is maybe off a turnover in the first half. I'd rather go to the swamp with a great defense and a good offense than vice versa. And I totally agree. Yeah, because you you can really take the air out of that crowd. I'm not talking about early scores. I'm talking about the fact that they're watching that same old offense, which they're going to get frustrated with because they're used to the Urban Meyer offenses of the world and the Steve Spurrier offenses of the world. I know they've had a layoff, but – uh, still, that's what they were used to and, and and raised on, and it ain't that with Graham Mertz. 90 seconds back off the hook sports. Power ratings, yes. We're going to talk the University of Alabama, which, wow, not only got beat, but pushed around off the hook sports. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Okay, why Alabama should be very, very concerned in our SEC power rankings and they should be. I want to give you free stuff. So go to tnsidercompany.com. That's tnsidercompany.com. And you can use the promo code HAT. That's HAT. And with any order of their fantastic cider, which is available in almost every state in the union, we won't pick out the two states it's not. We won't call them out. But you can get that fantastic cider with some free swag by using the promo code HAT. That's TNCiderCompany.com. Support our sponsors, TNCiderCompany.com. All right, let's do this right now. Let's take a look at the SEC Power Rankings, and that leads us to Four Downs, and it's brought to you by our friends at the Hemp House. Four Downs. Four Questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. The premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure that you get the best in quality CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat. That's two T's, hemphousechat.com. Check them out. You will be glad that you did know what you're consuming is absolutely highly tested and safe. So that is hemphousechat.com. Four Downs is now. We just had a center on. We're going to have another one right now. Coop? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Thank you. What down is it? Coop here. First down. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Is the Alabama run over? And if so, how over? May I answer this one first to kind of set it up, Caleb? I usually throw it to you. Sure, go ahead. Okay. I think that the way they got pushed around by Texas, especially late in the game when they they could have gotten back in that game and they got pushed around, I think it's over, over. And by over, over, I don't want to overreact to one game. I'm reacting to the past season and a half when I think they've looked very vulnerable. So over to me meant last year winning multiple championships. But over over means Nick Saban ever winning another championship. Just one, which is very different, Caleb. I think it's over over. I don't think Nick Saban wins another championship at the University of Alabama. It's not over over. Look, Alabama... We knew this was going to be a problem for them going into this year because they had vulnerabilities last year that Bryce Young covered for. And we know that Jalen Milrow is an awful quarterback. Let's just get this out of the way. He's horrible. 
Okay. And I can't believe anybody believed in him because of what they did to MTSU. So I understand those points. Dave, they just had the number one recruiting class in the country in 2023. May have been the best recruiting class of all time this past year. They got a number four, the number four recruiting class next year. They're going to reload around the quarterback like they used to be. Nick Saban just missed on some guys on the recruiting trail the last few years at those positions. He's going to get it right. They got another national title in them. And I think that, again, I can't imagine they're going to be stuck with bad quarterback play after this year. There's somebody that's good that's going to hit the transfer portal and want to go to Alabama, realizing how bad that QB room is. Yep. Um, I, I can roll with that, but Nick Saban's not getting any younger, by the way. And in the SEC power rankings, you have Georgia number one. You say almost by default, and I can roll with that before we get to second. Now, you still have Alabama number two, Ole Miss number three, Auburn number four. So um, I find that interesting. I'm going to go through the rest of the list as we go on. But I know where you stand. I'm going to tell you where I stand. What down, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Who's the second best team in the SEC? I mean, you have you obviously have Alabama, and that is after a Texas loss, a little surprising to me that you have Alabama at number two. Do you truly believe they're the second best team in the SEC? If Alabama played any team other than Georgia on a neutral field right now in the SEC, which SEC team would be favored over them? If Alabama played Georgia? No, outside of Georgia. Name an okay. SEC team that would be favored over Alabama on a neutral field. Because I don't think anybody would. Nobody. Yeah, so that's why they're the second best team in the SEC still right now. And by the way, we keep bringing this up. Yes, they looked bad against Texas. We'll talk about this in a segment in a minute, but the SEC in general looked bad. So you could still be the second best team in the SEC right now, given the way the league has looked right now. That's true. You got LSU number five. Tennessee six. Why Tennessee at six before we get to third down? I think you had to drop Tennessee below LSU just because of how they looked against FCS schools this past weekend. LSU beat Grambling 72 to 10. Tennessee won 30 to 13. I had to move Ole Miss up because they beat what I think is the best group of five team on the road pretty significantly. Now, Tulane didn't have their quarterback, but Ole Miss still won convincingly. So I think Lane Kiffin actually does have a pretty good team of transfers and Auburn. Again, going to the going out west and beating a power five team when you play a 10-30 game at night, I don't care that it was 14 to 10. That's with that's that's still a pretty good win. So I just I had to knock Tennessee below them. All right. Uh Coop, what what down we got? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Is Georgia at number one really good or elite? They're just really good. Did you watch them on against Ball State on Saturday? They got a bad quarterback. And a really bad offensive coordinator. They didn't score the that that 45, 42 points they scored, almost more than half of it was off turnovers and special teams. And if you actually watch the offense, they couldn't really move the ball that well. And I look, if I if this is not the week to talk about it because of how Tennessee looked against Austin P, but if Tennessee can write the ship, they should actually be excited about playing Georgia at home this year. Cause I think Georgia is in a really bad situation offensively with a quarterback that hasn't figured things out. And a really, really, really bad offensive coordinator. Well, with all due respect, you're dead wrong. Because of recruiting, they're still elite. They can overcome an average quarterback. I think they're still elite. I think they play down to their opponent, which will bite them in the rear 
at some point if Kirby Smart stays there long enough, but it hasn't bitten them yet because they're so much more talented. So I'm going to say elite, and by elite, a program that I would say at least you can have the discussion against the field would win a national championship. All right, what down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Just simply your biggest takeaway from the SEC this week. The quarterback play in the SEC is so bad. It's so bad, guys. You stole mine, so I'm gonna have to go in another direction. But we went over this at our 3:45 a.m. production meeting, Caleb. You weren't supposed to steal mine, but go ahead. I did not. Wait, 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 wait. I don't. I wasn't listening at 3:45. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, I was. I was still drunk out of anger from the Titans losing yesterday. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> um, kidding, guys. Don't. Um, but yes, I just think the quarterback play. I think KJ Jefferson might be head and shoulders the best quarterback in the SEC right now. I really don't know who's second. That's a good one. My biggest takeaway, I'll go back to this, and that is that Alabama got pushed around in the clutch. And uh, I started studying the Alabama-Texas game a little late in the week because, you know, obviously we cover Tennessee primarily. And I thought that Texas's defensive line could give them a hard time. I did not think that they would win on both sides of the ball. So that would be my biggest uh, takeaway. And the rest of the teams in the SEC power rankings on offthehooksports.com, if you want to run those down. Yep, I, I moved Vanderbilt back to last because they, again, they just got pushed around by Wake Forest and everybody's favorite coach in Knoxville, Dave Clawson. Um, 13, I moved Missouri there. Missouri could be 14. I mean, they played horrible against MTSU. That's a bad football team, which I know Dave is happy. Um, yeah, I don't like Missouri to do well in anything. Yeah, Florida, because of those two teams, was able to move back up to number 12 by default. And then South Carolina is still number 11 because the bottom half of the East is just bad. Kentucky struggled with Eastern Kentucky, which dropped them to number 10. But I got to say, Liam Cohen, I think, had some health issues over the weekend. And I think there are some distractions there. So I actually think they'll mostly be fine. Arkansas at number nine. Liam Cohen I'm, is, for those that don't know. I'm sorry? Liam Cohen is, for those that don't know. Oh, sorry. He is offense coordinator for Kentucky. Right. There you go. Uh, number nine is Arkansas. They are 2-0. They've been pretty convincing, but not willing to move them up just yet. Mississippi State, number eight. They are 2-0. They did beat a Power 5 team, but they shouldn't have won that game. It was an overtime off a bad call at home Saturday night against Arizona. And Texas A&M, number seven. Look, I, I know the, the wheels are going to come off Jimbo Fisher. The hot seat talk for this year has begun with Jimbo Fisher, but I still think they're – I would still pick them over. At this moment, they'd be favored over Mississippi State or Arkansas or Kentucky. At this moment. Neutral site, really quick. How many you have Tennessee uh, at five, I believe. Is that right? Six. Six, I'm sorry. Neutral site, are they a favorite over any of those five above them because of what we have seen? In, In all fairness to Caleb, his power rankings came out before the Vegas eight and a half favorites versus Florida would they be a favorite at a neutral site game if they were holding something in Mercedes-Benz against those five teams ahead of them? I think you might see them be favored over Auburn or Ole Miss. I don't think you'd see them favored over LSU, and I'm certain you wouldn't see them favored over Alabama or Georgia. So, But I would say Auburn and Ole Miss, but I still – I can't ignore what Auburn and Ole Miss did over the weekend. I just – I couldn't ignore that and look past it. Nice comment by Rocky Top Tom. I can't believe Texas went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama like a thief – that was a shock. I've never heard that before 
uh, beaten like a thief. Have you heard that before? Never heard that one ever. Yeah. I've, I've heard beat like he stole something, but. I have. Beaten like a thief is awesome. I'm stealing that officially. <laughs> or beaten like uh, Jalen McCullough beat a trespasser. It could be that as well. <laughs> So, or like Alvin Kamara in an elevator, who was at the game on Saturday. By oh, the way. brutal, brutal. <laughs> All right, let's go to college football week two takeaways right now. And uh, the SEC is down is your big takeaway. Is it really down or was it just an off week? How certain do you feel that the SEC is down? I'm pretty certain it's just down. Again, after Georgia – I talk about neutral site games. If Alabama's playing Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, there's a chance all three of those teams is favored over Alabama, and they're second in my SEC power rankings right now. And so that's that's how down we're talking about the SEC being right now. And, again, it's because of the quarterback play. This is just one of those random years. Look, long-term longevity, the SEC is the best conference, but every, like, 20 years or so, you just have a year where the league just – every team is in a mode where they're not where they need to be. This reminds me of 2005. SEC that year when I believe Georgia won the SEC title with two losses and then got the brakes beat off of them by Virginia or West Virginia in the Sugar Bowl kind of reminds me of that year a little bit. Um, yep. So I think it's just down. Yep, that's fair. Uh, other takeaways that that you pull from the weekend and you can read Caleb's column on offthehooksports.com. Oh, early 2000s, blue bloods outside of the SEC are back. Florida State, Texas, USC, Ohio State, Miami all look like top 10 teams. I named four of the top five right there. And I just named every national champion from 2001 to 2005, and which is pretty impressive. For those who are interested, Tennessee dropped to number 11 in the AP poll, stayed number nine in the coaches poll. So what do you make of it, by the way? I put more... I put more credence in the AP poll because I think the coaches poll are done by sports information directors. Yeah, I do too. I think that I think they like myself couldn't look past how they struggle with Austin P and there are teams that have pulled out more quality wins. Look, I'm, I'm going to get to my top 10 in a second to show you guys. I don't think when you do a top 10 based on style points, schedule strength and record, Tennessee technically doesn't have a case to be top 20 right now. That doesn't mean they're not one of the 20 best teams. But I do my top 20 and top 10 based on resume and nothing else. And yep. so that's. Well, that's what you should do. And it should be very, very fluid in, <coughs> pardon me, the early weeks. It should, I mean, you could have somebody go from one, well, not one probably, but uh, five to 25, I believe. Because yes. your preseason should be very fluid where you, you move people around. I and, throw preseason out the window the minute week one happens. Yeah. And I, I have no problem with Tennessee dropping to 11. Again, you're, they control their own destiny. Um, so I have no problem with the AP voters looking at Tennessee and saying, hey, that was a very lackluster performance against Austin P. So I get that, but they're going to bounce right back uh, up into the top 10 if they beat Florida. And also, offense, a huge question in the SEC and Big Ten. We're coming off a year in which Tennessee and Ohio State were very, very good offensively. But you say a huge question in the SEC and Big Ten, not to just single two teams out, but why do you think an off- offense in general is a huge question, Caleb? Well, so we touched on the SEC in the last one. So I'll move. So we know that when I'll move over to the Big Ten, Iowa is still in the Big Ten. Michigan does 
you know, plays very ball control as it is. So the real standout here is that Ohio State's offense is a big question. Kyle McCord's an issue. It hasn't shown yet because they haven't played anybody. Kyle McCord's going to be a problem for them because I don't think he is. I think after, you know, a run of pretty good quarterbacks at Ohio State that were great there and didn't work out in the NFL, he might have somebody that won't work out in the college level in Kyle McCord. And then Ron Tom, Ron Tom, looking legit. And another win for the Buffs, now 2-0. and oh, And wow, oh, wow. He, he reminds me in a lot of ways of Josh Heupel. The difference being is that Heupel is a better offensive mind and a better offensive coach, and he's not outspoken. But assembling talent, having that direction, um, I think is, is, is pretty significant and a similarity between the two. I just um, am blown away by how quickly they're winning at Colorado. And uh, listen, I mean, that, that, that they could be a factor headed forward. And you also mentioned your Heisman race. We have Travis Hunter, number one, Shador Sanders of Colorado, number two followed by Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., and Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. So at this point, <clears throat> my vote, I would have to give it to Shador Sanders, but nobody wins the Heisman in September. No, no one does. I'm still going Travis Hunter because he still actually had another 70 yards receiving while playing defensive back over the weekend. This, is, it, this isn't like Charles Woodson in 97 where, you know, they occasionally brought in Charles Woodson on the other side. No, he, Travis Hunter's playing – Full time on both sides of the ball, which I, I've never seen that before and, and at the college level. And if he does this the whole year, I don't know if he can, but if he does it the whole year and he's this productive, I, I can't not give him the Heisman. No, um, I, I, I see your argument, but if I had to pick somebody right now, it would be Sanders. And then the top 10 in college football playoff outlook, you've got <clears throat> Texas at number one, Florida State number two, Colorado three. Duke, four. What are you talking about? Auburn, five. Miami, six. Utah, seven. Miami, uh, eight. Ole Miss. That was, an, uh, that was an accident. I meant to put, I meant to write Mississippi State. I will correct that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, oh, I said Miami twice. Okay, so we'll get that fixed. Uh, but you don't have Georgia in the top ten. Is that based off our criteria earlier that ours is fluid and they could make it up there? Yeah, these are – guys – these aren't power rankings. These are top 10 is based on your resume. Georgia hadn't beaten anybody yet. And whatever you want to say about uh, the teams I named, they've all beaten power five schools. Mrs. Uh, Colorado has beaten two power five schools in back-to-back weeks. Now you can question um, Nebraska. You can question TCU, but that's a story for another day. And so Ole Miss hasn't beaten one technically, but Tulane is basically a power five school Tulane's a more quality win than Virginia is. Um, so I, I think, yeah, right now Georgia has, do I think Georgia is the best team in the country right now? Yes. Do they have the best resume through two weeks? No. Who have they beaten? That's fair. Um, how many sec teams would trade their head coach for Deion Sanders today? Hmm. So I think Florida is obvious. Florida is like, well, oh, Florida's yeah. already calling Dion as we as we speak. I mean, I, I'm gonna listen. If I'm Florida, I'm calling two people when this whole Billy Napier thing goes south, and it's going to. 
I'm calling Lane Kiffin and Deion Sanders. It's only two people I'm calling, and one of them's going to say yes. Yeah, I agree. And it would I Lane agree. would say yes. <laughs> Lane would <laughs> say yes. I don't know if Dion would with the Florida State ties, but remember well, this Dion, about Dion. Dion resents Florida State for not hiring him. Yeah, well, right, and Dion's also a businessman, so if he thinks there's an opportunity to win at Florida, given that in-state talent base, which he knows so well, he's he's going to do that. And so, how many you think about it? How many SEC teams would trade their head coach for Deion Sanders? And it's brought to you by our friends at Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Look, I have LASIK, no glasses, no contacts. I love it. Local doctors that can address cataract and LASIK procedure. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. That is easy to find at ccteyes.com, ccteyes.com. And for your routine examinations, they also have their uh, local locations that can take care of you. So how many teams would trade for Deion Sanders today? Okay, so we got Florida. I think we got Texas A&M. Deion belongs at Texas A&M. That's, you know, that's Dallas area. That, that would just be – imagine Dion at, at A&M. It would be great. Um, I think Oklahoma. I think there's some issues with Brent Venables. People were excited after week one, but that's because he beat Butch Jones. Oh, wait, I was just going <laughs> SEC teams. Oh, well, well the, these, Oklahoma They're going to be in the SEC. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. So you wouldn't so, – you wouldn't. Tra- Texas wouldn't trade him. Missouri and Vanderbilt, obviously – um, ask uh, by Smoky Mountain Red, would Dion jump that quick and what is his buyout? He had so much leverage that I would be interested to find that out, but I bet it's not much um, for him to to get out of that. Would he jump that quick? Yeah, because his son's going to be – his son's eligible for the draft next year, right? I think so. Okay, so, so – uh, He, it, say he yeah. will just take his son with him to Florida if he goes there and just win there. I mean well, – I mean, in reality, yeah, I mean, you could. And with NIL money, could he say, could Shador Sanders say, I'm really enjoying the, the college experience, so I might stay my full five years, when in reality he's probably worthy of a three-and-out type of guy based off what I've seen. But, uh, yeah, so who else? Who w- let's, let's make it easier. Who wouldn't? Who okay, wouldn't? So Tennessee, Tennessee and Georgia wouldn't. They, they're, they're both very happy with their situation. Agreed. South Carolina wouldn't because they like Shane Beamer, even though I would if I were their athletic director. Okay, South Carolina wouldn't. I don't think Kentucky would because Mark's, they like Mark Stoops, and they should like Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops has done an amazing job there. I agree. And remember, an athletic director would have to turn the keys over to Deion Sanders. If he says he wants something done, it has to be done tomorrow, not next week. If he wants a facility built or something like that, you're going to have to move quickly. A lot of ADs aren't okay with that. Uh, Mizzou yeah, would obviously at Kentucky when they want to be a basketball school. So <laughs> yeah, that would not, that would not work well at Kentucky. So I think, uh, Stoops, Beamer, Hypo, smart. smart. What about Alabama with Nick Saban getting up there? Are they going to force Nick Saban out? Are they really going to say, Hey Nick, thanks, but no thanks. No, but you wonder what about Ole Miss Lane Kiffin? Uh, because Lane has tried to get out of there before. Would Ole Miss boosters say, you know, let's go with the Sanders cat? I'm going to say no, because I think uh, Dion would realize he would have the same glass ceiling of NIL money that Lane has currently in Oxford. So I'll say no. Somebody on the message board said uh, LSU. 
And uh, no, I don't think that LSU would trade Brian Kelly for anybody. So that would be one not trade. So uh, basically, I think we're at Heupel, Saban, Kelly, Stoops, Beamer, smart. and Smart. Those are the only ones that I think Tennessee would wouldn't. Yeah, the, I'm the, sorry the, that the SEC okay. teams wouldn't trade for uh, Auburn. Team. Hugh Freeze. I think Auburn's pretty high on Hugh Freeze. Uh, whatever you think of Hugh Freeze. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There Hugh you go. Freeze is an amazing coach. Now, um, I want to clarify something too. I don't think Billy Napier is going to be fired after this year, but I think it's going to go south eventually. Just like I felt Eli Drinkwitz was going to go south this time last year, um, I think it will go south. So I'm not talking about this year because Smoky Mountain Red. I mentioned the buyout. Billy Napier is supposedly like 51 million. Um, so I'm not saying it happens this year, but I'm saying if there is a change, that's the first guy I call. Oh, Arkansas loves uh, uh, Sam Pittman. So, Maybe. and I think Deion Sanders would say there's a glass ceiling like uh, Ole Miss mm-hmm. at, as far as NIL money at Arkansas. So I wouldn't see him going there. Although if Walmart got really involved there in nearby Bentonville, right next to Fayetteville, let's let's face it. I mean, they could change Arkansas's football program. They really could. They could. They could throw so much money. The hard the, med- the median income in uh, Bentonville, which is just outside of Fayetteville, where uh, Walmart is uh, housed and the corporate offices are, is like one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. And you're in the middle of nowhere, where everything's cheap. So. I don't know if, if they wanted to throw some NIL money around, maybe there's more than I think, but I haven't seen much of it to this point. That could be Sam Pittman, an old school guy saying, I like to raise people up through the program as opposed to chasing transfers and spending NIL money. I'm not and sure. Don't sleep, don't sleep on this with Arkansas. If Texas A&M is falling apart, and I believe they are with Jimbo Fisher, if Oklahoma is not going to cut, if Brent Venables doesn't cut it at Oklahoma, and I think you and I both don't have faith in Brent Venables to cut it long-term at Oklahoma, well, Arkansas all of a sudden can be the school that goes in and gets some of those Texas recruits and competes with Texas. There's always like which school near Texas competes with Texas for Texas recruits. Arkansas might be the second most, the second biggest player in the state of Texas for those recruits behind the Longhorns in about a year. No doubt. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Do that like immediately and turn your notifications on whether or not you're on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you are, because we will have breaking news as we did today with the players meeting held on Sunday after the Austin P win. We'll also have breakdown of the SEC in Tennessee. So be sure those notifications are on hit like and, and subscribe. And we want to be sure and thank our friends at Rick Terry jewelry design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the fire opals? That is a Tennessee tradition. Go to rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off Dog Sports.